this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to vote. And welcome to another edition of the Municipals. I'm Matthew. And I'm Philip. And you know, Philip, I was telling you off air, I'll tell the listeners, you know, this weekend was really bad for me. Um, you know, I was laid up uh, because of my knees. They seem to be getting worse. Uh, so for the listeners out there, if there's any suggestions, I- I'm open to hear it. I do drive for a living. So the people who are going to tell me to eat gummies, probably not good, but I'll take any other suggestions. Um, you need to know that he's saying that because I, I brought that up. I, I really wanted to push that on him because I'm a disgusting, I'm a disgusting hippie who pushes the grass. You know, I'm going to share one other thing. You know, I, I love my son. He is the best son that, that, a father could ask for, you know, he was taking care of me. He was babysitting me. <laughs> and uh, I was in bed and he was next to me and, and he said, you know, dad, I really, really love you. And I said, I know that, bud. I know. He's like, is there anything I can get you? Is there anything I can do for you to make make it easier for you? And I said, no, bud, your mom's out getting Advil right now. I'll, I'll be fine. And he said, you know, dad, he said, I would give up my life for you. And uh, that made me emotional. And, and I told him, I said, you know, bud, it's it's your it's my job to give up my life for you. It's your job to. If anything happens to me, help take care of your mother and your sister and and eventually your own family who you'll be in charge, not in charge of, but you, you guys know what I mean. And um, I just love that little kid so much. Um, I don't know why I shared that. I just felt like I needed to share that. Um, sorry, Philip. <laughs> no, it's listen, uh, I'm worried about commenting on it. Make, you know, kind of ruining the moment because it is incredibly wholesome. So that is entirely yours. And it sounds like you have a great kid. I mean, I, you know what? He's not know. good. He's not going to be both. Good. We're both parents, you know, like we're both parents. And like we we have these. I don't know. Kids are kids are so interesting. We could have an entire second podcast to talking about having kids and being parents. Probably it's not even something that we together talk about too much uh, with each other. I mean, but like. I don't know. It's it's very sweet. The thing that I've always loved about him is that his heart, he's just so compassionate. And I mean, we're facing this election now and it's, it's you know, it's not even a Toronto issue. It's a, it's a worldwide issue. You, you don't, that's the one thing that's lacking from human, from humans it is compassion. Nobody has it anymore. 
see a homeless person, you walk right by. You're, or if you're in a car, you drive right by. It, when you go to a McDonald's and, you, and there's homeless people outside, you don't do anything. You walk right by them and you hope to God they're gone when you're, when you're ready to come back out. And, you know, regardless if they have a dog or, or any sort of physical disability that you can spot, doesn't seem to matter. And, you know, I think we can all benefit, not, even, not only Toronto, but worldwide, from having that compassion that an innocent nine-year-old or even younger has. You feel me? we're on the same page this is good stuff like i mean i i also in general there's in fact as i had mentioned to you previously i've been feeling this weekend very down on politics and i think a big part of it is this feeling of this like this heaviness of like it doesn't feel like it's gonna get better but i mean if we if we don't work for it if we don't hope and and want it and go for it I guess it won't get better, right? So we gotta we gotta work for it and we gotta try. Boom. Lesson. We learned it. Well, we are expecting our first guest uh, shortly, but uh until they get here, you know, let's I, I, I got a question for you, and and if we run out of time, you can answer it later. But um, you know, we have 49 we we did have 50 but now we have 49 because somebody withdrew um we have 49 candidates for the office of mayor and i would love to know who you think not your top five but the what you think might be the general consensus top five and then this isn't meant to offend any candidate that is currently registered i'm just want to pick your brain as you think who the top five candidates would be because this past week i guess this is going to be a longer discussion because i this past <laughs> week we saw olivia chow register we saw gil penalosa decide not to register even though the papers and the tv said that he withdrew he didn't withdraw because he didn't enter yeah, anyway, he didn't enter um it's about uniting the left and and i know that you are a self-proclaimed leftist or lefty or whatever you want to call it and i'm just wondering i'm fair um, with whatever in picking your top five if you can make a <sighs> I guess what I'm trying to say is once you pick your, your general consensus top five of who you think, and then maybe other candidates that are on the same side politically maybe can rally around in the same fashion that Gil Penalosa did for Olivia Chow. Go ahead. So I, I feel like you're right. This actually could be an interesting longer conversation because uh, uh, I'm just thinking it's sort of two separate questions. It's it's sort of the people I I like and the people who are kind of like the top five contenders. And I think the top five contenders are going to be the ones who are mostly showing up at the polls. So I'm thinking that's Olivia Chow, Josh Matlow, um, Mark Saunders. 
I'm not sure if Brad Bradford or Mitzi Hunter comes up first. If not oh, them, Bilo. then who? Oh, Anna Bilo, yes. yes. I, and then, yeah. and then, and then, um, I guess other uh, the the fifth one would be either Brad Bradford or what, or Mitzi Hunter or Mitzi Hunter. Yeah, I think that would be. But on the other mm. hand, I think, and you know, again with the continued forever asterisks that Twitter isn't real life. There's, there's always. I feel like there is a a large conversation around Chloe Brown. But it still feels like a lot of media aren't talking about her. So I wonder, are they including her in polls when they so well, it almost I, feels like wishful thinking if I want to fantasize that Chloe is in the top five, but well, I got some stuff that I wanted to talk about Chloe Brown later. Uh, but we can get to that later after our guest. Um, just for now though, so if you're saying we'll say Brad Bradford. Uh, yeah, so let's say uh, Olivia Chow, Josh Matlow, Anna Bailau, Mark Saunders, Brad Bradford. Okay, so then that leaves out people like Giorgio Mammoliti, Anthony Fury, Mitzi Hunter, Rob Davis. Would it be smarter before May 12th for these candidates to withdraw and support, I guess... The candidate closest to them uh, uh, on their political ideology scale, um, if that's what it is, or would they stick in the race? Like the one that sticks out to me the most, Philip, is Mitzi Hunter because technically she's still an MP. Right. But you know what? We're going to get to more of this later because uh, our guest is joining us now. There's back. We are joined by uh, mayoral candidate Sarah Kleiman-Hag. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Um, right off the bat, I, I'd love to ask, um, you know, we saw, we were there, actually there day one registration. And um, is that when you registered? Because we left around 1130 that day. I did register then, but I registered at, I think it was about 3 p.m., Ah, we were we were long gone. Yeah, was there still a media presence at that time? Uh, there were a couple of cameras, couple of camera people from two different uh, networks. But uh, I don't know; they were probably looking for Olivia Chow or something, and <laughs> they weren't interested in me. <laughs> now you did really well in the last election. Um, you know, you were up there on stage, uh, given given hell to John Tory, which we all are jealous about um especially <laughs> phil and um i'm just wondering if you are going to be i guess sort of adapting the same platform as last time if you've made any tweaks or anything i'd love to hear all about your your plans so the floor is yours go ahead thanks um yeah i there's a lot of similarities i mean i'm still the same person i was four months ago with the same values and same interests about the city um, I am going to be really emphasizing the fare-free transit. I kind of think my last campaign, I really um, pushed hard on getting the vaccine mandate lifted at the city of Toronto. That was one of the big parts of my campaign. And that I was successful in that. I didn't win, but the mandate was dropped a few weeks after the election. So if I could do the same thing for fare-free transit, I mean, I don't expect uh, progress to be as quick with that, but 
I think um, freedom of movement in the city is a really exciting opportunity for Toronto. So that's part of my playing my platform that I'll be really emphasizing this time. And I also think I'm just going to see wherever I can be a little less um, traditional in my approach to campaigning, because I think in the city, we are really put ourselves in boxes every step of the way. And we need, Toronto needs to just break out of those boxes and do things differently than we've done in the past as, as much as possible, as fresh as possible. So I'm hoping my campaign um, can be fresh and outside of the box. I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think Philip has a question about the police budget. That seems to be his forte. Go ahead, Philip. Oh, I mean, that's a good point. But before we get there, Sarah, I'm actually very happy that you brought up the fare free transit. And uh, before I ask my question, I feel like most of the people who ask this question are asking it more as sort of like a, a gotcha, as in like a fare free transit. That's unreal. That right. we can't possibly figure out how to pay for that. Uh, I support the idea of fare free transit. I am not an economics guy. I don't. I don't know how to make that happen. So, Sarah, when I ask you, I genuinely want you to know that I mean this because I want it. How do we pay for fare-free transit? Yeah, well, it's a good question, and I appreciate that you're asking from a position of curiosity because that's the first step, is how do we get to fare-free transit is we look at what's possible. And every time I've seen someone say they're opposed to fare-free transit, I notice they don't actually look at what's possible. They just say, oh, no, that, that can't be possible. That's unrealistic. So the first thing is to know it is possible. Boston has done it, not the entire network, but they've tried it on routes. Uh, the country of Luxembourg has done it, places in, other places in Europe have done it. So it is possible. So that's the first thing. So how do we pay for it? Well, the first thing um, with that question is that, that Toronto already has fare-free transit. It's just we only have it for fare evaders. So we're already paying for fare-free transit. We're just not doing it sustainably or um, in, yeah, in a healthy, predictable way. So that's another thing to notice is that we've got some fair free transit going on that's not accounted for in the budget. So part of this is just being realistic about what's happening. Um, there are very, there are a lot of ways to pay for fair free transit. You're paying for transit still, you're just not paying it at the fare box. So I'm gonna give you four different suggestions that could be done in combination. The, the important thing is we need to figure out how to pay for this together. It's not Mayor Sarah's plan. It's the whole city's plan. So one is property tax. Um, property tax, either new property tax or a reallocation of existing property tax so that your house, one person, the, the householder pays the property tax. And guess what? Every single person in the household now gets free transit. That's a lot better than what you have right now. Whereas if, if you or and say your partner or a child or a parent is taking transit, you're paying you know, two annual metro passes or three or four per household. This would be one per household covers everyone in your house. Um, commercial buildings, uh, the, our large employers, they really benefit people taking transit. They don't have to pay for parking. They get access to employees. Commercial building owners could pay for part of the uh, transit costs. Um, hotel tax, tourism would really benefit from free transit in the city. How much easier would it be for visitors to get to a lease game, to go to the science center, to go to restaurants or entertainment? if they could just hop on and off a bus whenever they felt like it. So hotel tax is another place for um, generating revenue. And then there's just looking at the idea of a voluntary fare for transit. You know, I love transit. I'm happy to pay for it. I don't like paying for it 
I don't like searching for my Presto or paying for it five times in a day just because of the time of my travel. So I would much rather donate $1,500 a year to TTC, get a tax deductible donation, and then be able to walk on and off the TTC whenever I want. So none of those on their own are the solution, but they're all places to look for where we could get the funding um, to cover the fair revenue that we'd be losing from um, fair transit. What about what about um, the call to fire Rick Leary, the TTC CEO, because he's making more than double the mayor's salary for what I don't know. And he got his big 21% increase during the last election while we were still in a pandemic. Right. Yeah. So I try not to get too, uh, being on the outside, I don't know what the individual staffing issues, but I, I would say uh, the the big picture is we need to make sure the heads of all of our, you know, um, government areas are really committed to their job, are really committed to the people who are using their service or, or getting their, from their service. And we, we need to look at not just the salaries at the top. Um, I do think people should be fairly compensated, but how much bureaucracy and top heavy and paper, you know, paperwork jobs are there that we could cut in favor of frontline workers, of people who are really dealing uh, with the staff. So I'm not going to say that particular person, what should or should be done with them. I think that's a, you know, a mayor would have to look at that thing that they were elected, but from the outside, it's too uh, easy to misinterpret what's going on. But I do think, yeah, it, I, it's, it's justifiable that people are concerned when they see really high salaries for public servants, um, when services are ailing or the rider, you know, fares just went up. That's not good optics, right? If the fares just went up and the, and the head of the uh, TTC is, is making something that few people could even dream of. So there, it's an important thing it's an important question to ask of, uh, I think, existing existing politicians, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Phil, you got that uh, police question ready? You know, I, I feel like I do in the in the sense that I, I almost want to, oh, I'm very nervous about how I want to ask this, but it is, it's sort of uh, budget slash potential revenue for TTC availability question it's it's a mess in short i want to say i'm very pro uh defunding the police which and by that i do mean uh reallocating those funds and in my mind of course i see that as a a good potential uh revenue potential revenue for say for example fair free transit but um ooh. um I guess I'm wondering what your opinion is. I, this is a very broad question, Sarah, but I wonder if you have a thought about our city's police budget. Uh, and if you do sort of think it's ridiculous, uh, if there's sort of a way to rein that in. So it's funny. One of the like catchphrases I want to use for my campaign is defund the budget. It's, all, it's our entire city budget that's a problem. Um, I think there's, I think our city, including our police force, we try to do too much and we have too high expectations. Like we expect police in the city to do, to be superheroes, to do, to do the magical job of preventing crime here, there and everywhere. You know, the police are a useful service. We, 
I, it's, I feel good knowing that if I need to, I can call 911. That's what matters to me is like, if there's something happening that the police can help with, and if there's if something happened that the police can you know do detective work and follow up, be part of the justice system. What I don't expect from the police is crime prevention. That's the job of the entire city. You know, it's not that they don't have a role, obviously, but they can't prevent crime. So to kind of keep throwing money at the police, like if that's going to get rid of crime or prevented crime, I, I think it's not the wrong approach. But I think there's a lot of areas in the city where we also overspend, overregulate. Um, over try to over control and it, it's 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 that kind of thing that makes people not want their taxes to go up or they don't want to you know fund fair free transit because they see oh we're already paying all this tax we see garbage all over the streets we do this and that um so I, I i'd like to look at you know rather than talking about we'll take money from here and put it over there that that's something that absolutely could happen but i think we need to look at the budget as a whole so yeah, I, I wouldn't say I, I have a particular ideology like defund the police budget. I would just say, let's look at the entire city budget and find all the places where we're just misallocating resources. Um, I know the police are just as interested in getting better um, response to, say, mental health issues or addiction issues. So it's not like the police are opposed to that. It's just these, it's the political decisions up top that, that choose where we allocate money. Um, so I do think that far more resources should go to the front line, to services, to helping people, to responding to communities, and much less to kind of top heavy or office work um, or, uh, you know, theoretical or, or like theater, theatrical um, measures, like some of the security measures that come as soon as a crime happens and everyone's like, oh my gosh, let's fund a million more dollars for new tasers or whatever. Like things like this that are just knee-jerk reactions to crime rather than thoughtful, well-considered um, solutions. Absolutely. Um, you know, for me, the, the police budget, it's always like Phil was saying in, in previous episodes, it's always that thing that nobody ever wants to touch. It's like that, that hallowed thing you just don't touch. And it's, uh, you know, nobody since Rob Ford has ever looked for efficiencies. And I'm just wondering if, if that is something that would be um, that you would do in a, in a, in a mayor climate hag government. Yeah, I think it's really good to point out that untouchable nature of certain things, um, whether it's how you speak about them, whether it's like cities, the, the police budget, whether whatever area it is. I don't think we need to be afraid of criticism, first of all. Um, that's often what's to me, drives policy is like, oh, well, people don't want to get bad press. Like, I, I think the mayor should be doing the job that they think is important. And if people don't like it, then they can tell the mayor and they can vote on the next election. They can participate throughout, you know, the four years. So I'm not, uh, I don't think fear of a, of dislike or criticism should affect any of our decisions as politicians. Um, so when it comes to, you know, the police budget being untouchable, I think I'm not afraid of bad press if I have a decision that I think a step we need to consider. Um, that's the one thing. And the second thing is, 
I think that with a lot of these things, we have to work with the people. So to me, what I would want to do as the mayor is to talk not just to the police board or the people at the top, is to actually talk to the frontline officers and hear from them what they think is working about the police budget and what they think isn't working. I'm not so sure that every officer would say, oh, no, you got to triple the police budget. I, I don't necessarily think that frontline officers would all say that. I think they would say we want to be valued, we want to be respected, we want to be appreciated, we want you know a society that cares about the law. Um, so I would talk to the police themselves and the people at the top. Everybody who gets affected by budget changes should be not just like consulted like, okay, I consulted you, but like find out from them what's necessary, what's not necessary, where where where's a difference in philosophy and where's just actually uh, a problem that everybody could agree on right so i think that would be part of the issue is you know i would want to work with um a police budget and police you know staff and frontline people who who have share this same philosophy that the police aren't there to fix every single problem in the city they're there to fix what they're specifically trained for and um and be realistic about what the police can offer for three, you know, for a city of three million. And then we residents have to take on, to me, more responsibility for for safety in our communities. So no, no, it's all good. Yeah. I'm just aware yeah. of our time, and uh, real yeah. quick, I, I'd love to get your positions on things like. Uh, the rebuild of the gardener. We might have covered this in the last election, but uh, the new things that also I want to throw in there is your position on what's going on with Ontario Place and the decision to move the Science Centre. Um, and I'd love to get your position on all of those. Yeah, so Ontario Place, uh, I got quite active with a group of cold water swimmers who swim at the beach at Ontario Place last campaign. And to me, it's it's a really beautiful stretch of lakefront. It's public land, it's public water. It, it, it needs to be, I, I definitely favor a, a full park option or else an option where the public has access to all the grounds. Maybe you have some part, private things within the Ontario Place grounds, but most of it is fully accessible and open to the public. It's really a, a treasure. It should be considered as it was created in the first place, a cottage for people who can't go to the cottage, like a vacation, a getaway. For not just the wealthy, but for the people who can't afford to go to these other places that our politicians and our corporate leaders go to. Um, I think the idea of a private spa is not the right thing for Ontario Place. Maybe there's somewhere else in Toronto that would be good, somewhere else in Ontario, but not Ontario Place. Moving the Ontario Science Center, you know, I, I, I haven't, I'm not that familiar with the pros and cons, but I do see there's a lot of greenery in Ontario at the Science Center. It's built nicely. Um, there's a lot of places in Toronto we could add housing. We don't necessarily need to start trashing things and moving them to put housing there because there's a lot of infill possibilities in Toronto. Um, and then the gardener, you know, I, I've always said we shouldn't be investing in new highways. It's just not the way of the future. It's not how we move 3 million people. Um, so I, don't, I think it's a waste of money to rebuild the gardener, even if it is a hybrid option. But what the city can do or not, you know, I don't think we should throw bad, good money after bad. But I also don't think we should incur, you know, gigantic lawsuits or huge problems. So what we do with the gardener would have to be based on what we can do. My option would definitely be to not 
pour in more money to infrastructure that's going to be needed, going to be expensive to maintain in the future and is not going to do that much for either commuters or Torontonians. Um, but I'd be cognizant of, well, what can we do? You know, we can't just rip up things willy-nilly if it's not possible. Absolutely. Uh, Philip, I'll give you the last question. You know what? Actually, I feel like I have a pretty good question in the sense of it's it's a very important topic that you know is coming up a lot in the election. I feel like me and Matt haven't asked too much about it, and I would say it's mostly in my mind it's a an ignorance perhaps on I know on my part at least. Uh, so Sarah, we I would say that we are in a housing crisis. What um, I mean, you know, assuming that you agree with that assessment, what yes. is what would Toronto's mayor what would there be what would their role be in making that not an issue yeah so i think you know the mayor for every issue whether it's crime or housing or transit or whatever the mayor's job is to provide vision and leadership and work with everyone the mayor can't solve any of these problems on their own i think it's a bit of a problem with our political system that we expect um a mayor come up with a great solution. And that's why we have all these bad solutions because <laughs> we come up with campaign solutions, not real life ones. But there are definitely a lot of things that I think the government led by the mayor plus supported by the mayor could do to make it easier to create housing in the city. And, you know, all over the place, people talk about the zoning morass that is Toronto, the delays in approving applications for new housing, the restrictions that prevent the creation of new housing. So those two things are things Toronto doesn't have to spend money on. They just stop, they stop being a barrier to new housing. Like that's a really easy thing to do if there's political will. So that's number one. Um, the other thing is the vacancy tax. You know, Toronto put in a vacancy tax, but my, my first experience of it is it's quite cumbersome. Not sure if it's going to do the job. I'm not sure if it's priced appropriately to do the job, but there is vacant housing all over Toronto that could be used. And if we apply tools like the vacant tax properly, we should absolutely incentivize every vacant unit to come back on the market. So those are two things that can be done right now. They're not like, okay, we're going to invest 500 million and get the feds to chip in and blah, blah, blah. And in 10 years or 20 years, maybe we'll have some more houses. It's like, no, right now there are people who want to build houses in Toronto that we aren't allowing to do it. There are people right now who have vacant units in Toronto that we haven't, um, you know, encouraged strongly enough to do it. So let's start with that low hanging fruit and get all of that done, which requires leadership and requires political will to do those things. Um, if we do that, I think we can see some improvements right away. Thank you so much for, for coming on and, you know, Letting us know what a what a a mayor climate head government would look like. I'd love for you to talk directly to our listeners and 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 tell them why uh, you know tell them why they they should vote for you and uh, and if you have a website, don't forget to leave that. And uh, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Oh, thanks so much. Well, I mean, I'll start with the website. It's votesarah.ca. It's an easy place to go. Um, you know, I just want to say to the voters that or to anyone who's listening, whether you vote or not, it's so important to get involved because all the things in our city, it's always easy to point fingers. I've done it too, and expect other people to solve the problems. But we all have to look around us, even if it's just around our, our house, our apartment unit, 
um, our own daily commute, our own attitude towards our neighbors. And if we all tend to those things, and then we have a government that supports people who want to do those things, who want to make the city better themselves, um, that's where we can really travel so much farther than, you know, if we have just one great mayor. We, I think I would be a mayor that encourages Torontonians to solve problems with the support of government rather than expect government to solve problems and expect government kind of stop them from coming up with their own solutions. So I, I, my approach to government is really a kind of an interesting one where I think we need to have really high standards to keep our environment healthy. We need to have really high standards to make our city uh, uh, fair. Yet I also think we need to take the hand off the micromanagement wheel. Um, we spend too much money. We have too many rules. We have too much control in this city. If we could ease off on the things that don't matter and be strong on the things that do matter, I think that the potential for this city is huge. So I would love to hear from people. They can go again to votesarah.ca. I write every day or two uh, a new kind of vision for Toronto, a new idea, whether it's about transit or crime or whatever it is. And so people can get not just sound bites, but actually detailed kind of uh, detailed ideas that they can consider and think, does my vision does Sarah, Mayor Sarah's vision sound like one I would be interested in being a part of? And if it is, then uh, June 26th, don't know where to find me. Thank you again so much for coming on and, uh, and letting us know what's up. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being a voice for democracy. It really matters. And that was Sarah Kleimanhag. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I wanted to make a joke, but... Uh about her inability to leave, but I, it wasn't forming in my head properly. <laughs> um, she should patent, maybe not, I don't know if that's the right, I, I love that every time we've interviewed her, um, well, I've interviewed her, she, she's not at home, she's in the park, I love that. <laughs> you know, if we had more people interviewing in the park, I don't know, maybe that's better for Toronto. You know, uh, our listeners wouldn't be aware of this, but uh, when she first had popped on to sort of say that she'd be back on in like 10 minutes, I thought she had her uh, phone positioned in like a bike basket. And I thought she was like biking down and we were going to get like a full on, you know, you know, exercise, perfect interview. We have a special announcement to make, which is coming up. But before that happens... Let's get back to what we were talking about before. Yes. So we were talking... Uh, yeah, good. Remind so me, because I don't remember. Our our thought of who are technically considered the top five based on where the polls are. And I oh, think that's right. we are sort of saying... And I was going to make a point. Uh, and Olivia, now I, I remember the point. Yeah. No, you well, were... Yeah, let's bring it back. You said sorry. Go ahead with those five. Olivia Chow, Josh Matlow, Anna Bailau, Mark Saunders, and I think we're deciding Brad Bradford is number five. Right. Okay. So that leaves out, you know, Mitzi Hunter, Rob Davis, Giorgio Mammoliti. So, for example, let's, I specifically wanted to leave out Mitzi to make this point. Not that I don't think that she oh. would do well, because I actually, I do think she would do well, but this is your five, not my five. So I'm glad you left her out. Um, 
she is currently still an MPP. She does not have to resign until leading up to the deadline of May 12th, which is the end of nominations. Theoretically, if she, if they, if her campaign team did their own polling or she is uh, 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 putting her faith or confidence in a objective person's polling and she's not polling very well, theoretically, she could drop out, support another candidate while still keeping her seat at Queen's Park. Is that, that's, po that's completely possible, isn't it? I mean, she has not yeah. resigned. As we are recording, she has not resigned yet. Now, Matthew, are you getting to a point about this being a question of fairness? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, we're going to we're going to sidestep that one. We're going to leave that out just for a second, because uh, that's why I made that point. So then I, I don't know that. Where would you put Mitzi on the left, on the right, center, right, center, left? Well, I'm not exactly sure. So She's a liberal. So I would say I would. I, uh, without knowing too deeply and, you know, for the future, I guess I should look into it, but, you know, we can take her that she's a liberal and chances are she would be more likely to be center left. Does that mean she would support Olivia Chow? Cause Olivia Chow seems a little bit more left, like all the Olivia way Chow left. Olivia Chow is more NDP. Yeah. Well, yeah. If we consider NDP all the way left, but, uh, <laughs> um, Yeah. Uh, Olivia Chow would definitely be the NDP alliance candidate. Um, and for Rob Davis, he's more. See, I I don't know how to peg him either. Um, I would say he's. I in my mind, he reads as a. Uh, I want to say a conservative, but like closer, more. Uh, I want to say more red. Is it red Tory? They'd say it as the term. So theoretically, again speaking, if he did drop out, would he support someone like Josh Matlow? You think, or or Anna Bylaw, or, Bra uh, or Brad Bradford, question. or Brad Bradford, or Mark Saunders? That's a good question. <laughs> it it all depends, I, I guess, I, where you place him, right? I mean, we just talked to Davis. And you know I, what I you should do. You know what you should like do. He would support Saunders. You know what you should do because you're amazing at this. Um, oh, you know I'm I'm working on the website. It's it's honestly a lot of it's a lot of fucking work. Um, I'm not even gonna lie, it, it is. But I think that we should. Um, you should drop a scale. Yeah, obviously it's a big fucking line. Right. And then you slot in where you think uh, each candidate is politically. Yeah, I can probably do something like that. I Ooh, can't, I, I can't wonder, draw. Probably... So, <laughs> oh, I could, oh, I could do something like this. Okay. Yeah. I could, we could figure this out. Um, Unless you mean right now while we're on the podcast. In which no, case, no, I'm no, like, no. I think you, okay, give me some prep time and I think yeah. I can make my, Left this, to right configuration of this will help you of, stay off Twitter. <laughs> oh fuck yeah, I need that. I need anything to keep the addiction at bay. Um, well, I mean, you know, the state of the site itself is is helping a lot, but fuck, you know. So let's get to our get me away. 
let's get to our announcement. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, welcome back to the show, Jennifer Alexander, the chief editor in chief of the Atomico Voice. Thank you. Uh, I see. We have an announcement to make. Phil has no idea, so because I wanted his uh, his reaction. So here it is for Phil and for the listeners. We are going to be partnering, uh, meaning the municipals and the Etobicoke Voice, to hold a virtual uh, mayoral debate. Yes. <laughs> Is that is that your music, Jen? I don't know what that was, but that was very cool, and uh, I that... think it was appropriate for the the grandiose nature of this announcement. You could actually thank my husband because he's sitting behind me. That was the TV, but it was perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> we're There's gonna a do reason. Just to be clear, to be clear, when I was doing the I was doing this thing. I'm doing the in my mind. I'm doing the vuvuzela noises in celebration of this. Uh, I realize that doesn't translate if I don't make the noises and I just do this. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, so I thought it was important to point out that I was doing something. So, But hell yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> all right. So how it's going to work to all the listeners and candidates that are listening, there are going to be five debates because we can't possibly hold a debate with, fifth, sorry, 49 now people because um, one dropped out. So we're going to do it in groups of 10 and then, well, the last group will be nine and anyone else that joins after the fact, we're still waiting on a couple people to, to join in. Um, I don't know what they're waiting for, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, so we have five groups. We just, we have yet to solidify a date, which uh, will, you know, we'll work on that and then it'll most likely be hopefully fingers crossed a Saturday um, I'm thinking an hour to an hour and a half per debate and the only reason I say that is because yeah. if you give each candidate two minutes for an opening and closing that's already 40 minutes <laughs> exactly yeah you gotta figure out the timing but that sounds good to me <laughs> I did. I did the okay, debates as, 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 as Phil knows. I, I did the, the, all the debates uh, in October, so um, I'm I'm very comfortable. Uh, I will throw out a couple things, like for example, in the debate that um, is featured by someone that I don't like. You know, uh, <laughs> I won't be. A few. I, won't, a few I won't be. I won't be asking the questions. That will be either you or Phil. And in a, in a debate where either yourself or Phil really doesn't like a candidate, I guess I'll be asking the questions. See, it's I funny. It's probably person. good, yeah. It's funny because as much as, you know, you could dislike any candidate, I really, really don't like <laughs> one particular candidate. And I know Phil feels the same way about, about uh, a certain sky creature <laughs> <laughs> at that point at that point you can just say his name <laughs> i think everybody I mean, knows. we're good <laughs> yeah um, we're good we're good on that what do you think phil listen do i well 
I think, first of all, I've already said that's incredible. But uh, as long as I get to say at some point in the middle of this production, what is this, a crossover episode? You know, I, I want that for us. Uh, that's that's it. That's my only demand, really. That's, uh, that's on my list. As long as we, you know, Etobicoke Voice, X, Municipals. And, uh, you know... Jen will get to write about it, and we'll yeah. we'll put it on uh, we'll put it on the the YouTube channel, which was formerly this time in history. It will I can convert it to the municipal, so it all works. And uh, you know we'll go from there. Uh, I'll yeah. do the audio versions as bonus episodes for our audio podcast, but the the video will be on uh, on YouTube. That sounds awesome. And then oh, with the yeah. Atopica voice, I finally figured out how to embed video into the newsletter. So mm -hmm. they will definitely come out so all the readers can click on and watch and they'll get a little bit of behind the scenes and Absolutely. some introductions. Do you have a do you have a movie uh, movie? Do you have a video <laughs> editing program? No, no. Okay. But my son does. Guess okay. what? We have a kid who can definitely help us out with that. <laughs> awesome. Well, we don't live too far away from each other. You're in Ward one, uh, Ward 2. I'm in Ward 1. So yeah. I can, once we record the interviews, I can personally personally deliver <laughs> the the footage um, so that you have your the footage as well. And then we both have the footage. Perfect. That sounds like a good plan to me. And then, uh, I mean, it's going to be hours long but <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, well when you have so many <laughs> yes uh, how long has so matthew been keeping you in the queue before he brought you out i i literally just showed up because he told me to show oh, okay. up okay yeah between we, 45 and 8 so i well, was like oh <laughs> well we had we we had sarah Kleimanhag on it's been a it's been a rough weekend for me, um, but uh, other than that, you know, just trying to get through this election. It seems like every day everyone's got a yeah. a, a, a new bag of goodies they want to bribe us with. Oh, I know. And then I keep thinking, oh, I'm gonna write about this, and then something else comes out, and then I'm like, okay, why is it one o'clock on you know Saturday morning that I'm still trying to write things? So, yeah, I get that. <laughs> Jen, real quick before we let you go, did you uh, did you write anything? Uh, what comes to mind uh, if Giorgio Mammoliti wins, he wants to fire Eileen Davila? I have not. I have seen that, and uh, it will be. It will definitely be coming up, and I will be writing interesting things that I find it about Anthony Peruzza and uh, a few of the others. That was out of left field, eh, Anthony Peruzza? Oh, I was like, hey, you got to be kidding me. Like, that's a joke. And then I literally went to the Toronto website just to double check. I guess Stephen Holiday thought better. Well, I mean, you still have till Ooh. May 12th. Who knows? <laughs> just, as a, just as a fun little factoid, did either of you know that Giorgio Mammoliti used to be a part of the Ontario NDP? I did not. I think he I read that Ontario just recently. MPP. Yeah, I just learned yeah. that. <laughs> Really? Sorry, I, it's just, it's fascinating. It <laughs> is just so interesting. I did not know that. Um, <sighs> Does not surprise me, though. <laughs> what's your... It's a fun little factoid. 
<laughs> you know, we had Anna Bilo on last weekend and or last week, and she, uh, you know, she told us that the Ontario Science Centre, the building that it's housed in, needs significant repairs. And even if they move the Science Centre down to Ontario Place, they can't tear down that building because it's a quote unquote heritage building. Yeah. So, but I thought the whole point of moving it in the first place is to create afford to create affordable housing. I don't I, the, the the dots are not connecting for me. No, and and apparently the reality is you, there's a lot of that land is on the ravine and it's considered dangerous land and there's floodplains. So the reality is where they want it to build on the parking lot and keep the science center that's that's considered okay but if they knock down the building you're gonna there's no way you're gonna be able to build and even if you do it's going to become dangerous to the people that live there <laughs> I, I, honestly i mean if we're gonna go around throwing heritage assignments to buildings we should be throwing one at the 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 much music building on uh uh, uh John and on Queen West, West. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Apparently, their plan very shortly is to move out of there, and and that's going to be converted into I don't know if it's a condo tower, apartment building. I'm not sure what. That that's that's what I heard. Oh, I didn't even know that, and that to me is like totally iconic of my teen years, going down and shopping on Queen West with, with my friends. Like, that's hey, just sad. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember Electric Circus? Yes, I do. I used to watch Electric Circus with Monica Diol. Yep. <laughs> I was on it once, but I was in the back because I don't know how to dance. Well, that's awesome because at that point, it would have been just like the fact that you were there. <laughs> Is Electric Circus before me? I'm not, I'm not even that much younger than you, Matt. I just I don't think I know it. Electric, Electric Circus, Circus is, is. is Friday night. They used to have, they used to play yeah. music or whatever, and people would come and they would dance outside of Electric Circus. I don't really know what happened inside the building. Uh, they played <laughs> music, music videos or something. I don't know. Um, we never got inside, so. It was just one big dance party every Friday night. Yeah. See, it's things like that they were missing. You know, before you came on as well, you know, I was telling Phil, I, I was telling him a quick story about, uh, about my son and about how, you know, we're, we're going through this election and, you know, it's not even, as I was saying, it's not even a Toronto issue. It's more of a worldwide issue where there there's such a lack of compassion, general human compassion towards each other. You know, you, you, you see a homeless person and you walk right by them. You don't help them. You know, you're going into a restaurant, whether it's a McDonald's or, or like a, a nice restaurant. And if you see a homeless person, you just walk right by them. You don't help them. They're starving. Even if you see them sleeping on the streets, you know, uh, even helping old ladies across the street or, or people with physical challenges that are in wheelchairs, helping them across the street. You don't see any of that anymore. Yeah. And it, I just wish sometimes that the, the the human compassion that that my my nine year old showed me this weekend. I, I wish I could see that in other people. Yeah, yeah, it's it's disappeared. I mean, I see that with all the time with my daughter. Um, you know, she's putting herself out there for everybody and always does. 
And, you know, the other parents at, uh, you know, that I see in our schoolyards, you know, are like rushing the kids and telling the kids, like, why would you help this person? Like, well, we, we don't have time. And I'm like, well, you know what, you need to teach the kids that you're born with that. And then over time, you're taught not to be empathetic. And that's what they need to bring back is teaching empathy. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um, so to our listeners, stay tuned for more details. Uh, we're going to be putting this out on Twitter um, probably within the next day or two uh, once we finalize everything and, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll have the dates and times and everything scheduled and uh, we'll go from there. Sounds good. I am excited. Thank you. Thank you for having me and I will talk to you all soon. Bye. Uh, getting back to our previous discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I think a graph, a graph is probably the most uh, appropriate description. It uh, would be good. Uh, let's, because then, you know, people might understand where people, uh, um, I was going to say hail from, but uh, where they place on the, the political scale or such yeah and so i guess now my question is people are, are can candidates withdrawing and supporting other candidates do you expect to see a flurry of that leading up to may 12th is my question i don't know i don't know if i'd say i expect it uh i guess that's the norm but I, I just, this isn't, this isn't what you're asking, Matt. This is, but it's sort of the thought I had um, when, when this was coming. So I, I sort of felt like you were leading up to, or rather, I guess I was thinking this as we're bringing it up. Uh, you know, when I was running, I know, I know, I, I, I bring it up. I love it I, when you listen, talk about I love it. it. I love it. I loved running, so I love bringing it up. But when I was running and, you know, I had, you know, a few people commenting anytime, for example, I would say, be nice to Kevin on Twitter. Uh, there'd be like some Twitter response that was like, uh, one of you needs to drop out to not split the vote. Now, of course, the end results uh, of the election is uh, if you look at the results, there was no need for me to drop out. Uh, you know, I did not. I did not hurt anyone considerably. But one of the main things that kept me in, because there was a, I, I don't think I've really said this out loud, and I'm not saying this is like, a, I'm not saying this against the guy. There was a sense that I got from, uh, from Kevin that he wanted me to drop out. Again, this isn't me. I'm not saying anything. I could also be misinterpreting uh, what he had said back then. But my thought was, or rather, the impression I got was if there was someone you could get behind, you know, would you kind of drop out and support them? And I think my problem while I was running was the only person you can trust to be true to their word and, you know, put through what they want to put through while you're running is yourself because everyone else, you don't know where they'll capitulate. You don't know where their uh, bend points are, but you know what you believe in. And you know what you're running for. So it's, I don't know if you, if this makes sense as a connection to 
to this talking point of people dropping out and supporting other candidates. Um, but it's it's hard to know. I'm sure like a lot of these candidates align in a lot of ways. I just know for me, that was my thought in not dropping out. And again, that was not your question at all. Um, I guess, you know, we, this is an election like I have, haven't seen in a long time. It's pretty much, I know you're not a sports guy. But I know you know what an all-star game is. Oh, yeah. They have them in every sport. This is an all-star game. It really is. A lot of classics are coming out. A lot of new. You know, um, it really is all over the place. But in the end, only one can win. And only three to four will be seriously considered. And, you know, I got you to name your five, so I'll, I'll name my five. Josh Matlow, Chloe Brown, Anna Bailau, Rob Davis, and Mark Saunders. That was different from yours, I think. Yes. You said Brad Bradford. It was, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. the other name that I left out? Oh, I left out Olivia Chow. Yeah, I didn't. I left oh. out Olivia Chow. Sorry, Olivia. Whoops. Whoopsie doodle. That's a bad on you. <laughs> She'll never come on our show now. It's like the municipals, they dissed me. That Matthew guy, he didn't say my name. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I don't think that's I don't think that's what Olivia Chow is like. <laughs> I hope not. I don't think so. Uh, if she is, I'd be very I'd be very disillusioned. <laughs> And welcome back. And we are joined by uh, 2023 by-election mayoral candidate, Philip DeCruz. Welcome to the show, Philip. Hi, guys. I'm a Matt Bill Square. So right That's off right. the bat, we'll, uh, we'll let you get started and talk about your plans and policies that you would implement um, if you win the mayor's chair. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Okay, well, just like my platform last year, it's all for the people, right? I didn't change it much. I just said maybe a few things. I got a new thing about Ontario Place. I just did on the tweet. Uh, I just did a video message this morning. You can see it on the uh, tweet there. We'll talk about that after. Anyways, my thing is about the uh, provincial provincial thing, but I said I'm going to have to uh, reduce that rent 20% reduction. You know, I work for all of the government, you know, with auto, military. So they said it's a provincial thing, but, you know, you got to try something. And I got my contacts and uh, also... My second thing is going after the, oh, sorry. Second thing is food security. We had a major problem with starvation in this, in this city, you know. I talked to, um, you know, uh, Lori Nicole from uh, Second Harvest. I think I recognize that name, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's about Second Harvesting. I talked to her briefly about it. I showed her my plan and I showed Ottawa. They like the idea about the uh, distribution of food. It's in my platform. I did it all visually when I take a look there. It's in detail. And also my third thing is going after the landlords big time. That's my biggest thing to landlords. He's uh these guys just, you know, there's just they don't they don't uh what's it? They don't uh uh respond to anybody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Can't think of the word now. Answer answer anybody, you know. They need to answer for their irresponsibility, you know, the lack of uh, uh help for you know people with special needs, especially seniors and all I can tell you horror stories. Right, just said. And the other thing is crime. 
You know, people talk about putting youth officers on a DTC and the whole programs, but you know what I said before in my platform, they got to go to the heart of the matter. You can't just keep putting these guys on there. It's not going to make a big difference. Maybe short term, go to the communities. There's no communication with the police and every ward has a certain crime rate. Some are low, some are high. You got to go talk to the community, talk to real people, not advocates that stick on the police board that are handpicked to just talk whatever they want to talk. Talk to people in the community. Go to the root of the matter. That's where you get to find. That's where you find the problems right there. That's what it's been taught, done before in Europe, and also the uh, TTC. That's still, you know, cut. they're increasing the subway lines. They're cutting the services. So you're actually paying more money now for cut service. Go figure, right? No, what's the other thing? Just run over here. Food security. I think that's in uh, just uh, oh my, my whole platform is about I'll help people. I'm not into numbers. I'm not into false promises of big numbers. And you know, when people make comments that like you're gonna have millions spent for this, this, that, but you know what? Ottawa, not Ottawa, the premier they said there's no money for there's no money for Toronto twice. So I want to know where they're getting all this money from. You know, you can't make promises like that. And, and fear-mongering on campaign is bad. You've seen the videos, I detested. I think you cannot put fear in voters that if you don't vote for a certain candidate, the world's gonna fall apart or the apocalypse is gonna happen. That's just that's just garbage. You know, if you can stand on your work ethic in the background as a counselor or a chief, you can stand on that against your work ethic. That should be enough not to place fear in voters to vote for you or else. You know what I mean? Well, Phil, you know, I'll just jump in since, I mean, Doug Ford's made it clear that he's not going to bail Toronto out. Um, That means that we have to look internally for uh, efficiencies and, you know, the single biggest line item in the city of Toronto is the police budget. It uh, is the police budget, yeah. And so then my question to you is, is that something that we leave alone because no one ever touches the police budget? Or, uh, I mean, other than Rob Ford, um, or, or would you look for efficiencies within the police budget? I mean, you and I have spoken off air about uh, uh, the the Ontario Sunshine List just released um, recently and how there are multiple police officers that are uniformed police officers making anywhere from 150 to 200 to even the the the, the highest guy I saw was a sergeant so he's still a, a, a uniformed police officer making 330 something thousand dollars. And that is not regular pay. That's overtime, double overtime. Um, I, I'd love to hear what you have to say uh, on that topic. Well, first of all, remember, remember two years back, they made an announcement. Remember the crime street, all the uh, carjackings were going on back then. Mm-hmm. And what did they, what did they, John Tory came out with the announcement with Doug Ford. Remember that? They're all standing there like a whole auditorium of soldiers. We're going to make $44 million in a special task force. Okay? Where did $44 million go? What happened with that? Where's right? the te- Where's the task force? <laughs> exactly. So now they've got more officers spending on security. I think they got to go to administration. There's so much. You used, I don't know if you saw the paperwork. They got so much of these overpaid officers. They should be retired. Like the GC. We know these positions. The CEO collecting over a million dollars. In less than two years on perks, no, no. Well, no. we'll 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 get to him, but specifically the police budget. Um, the other thing is, is there a way that we can? Uh, I don't know if force is the right word. Uh, the police to get rid of overtime, so no officers can do overtime, and instead 
so all that money that we were going to cost us for all the officers for overtime, instead hire more police officers and just prevent overtime. And Phil, if you want to other Phil, <laughs> if you want to jump other in, Phil. he's not another Phil. He's you, the if, Phil. If you want to jump in, we've and- we've screwed up here. We've we've made a mistake. We have <laughs> not established our our Philip bounds of the podcast. Yeah. Well, oh Phil, can I can, Phil, can I just add just before you start? Uh, don't forget Matthew, but a lot of these uh, overtime, they're paid by the people that hire them. Remember that, right? But they're also paid by the Toronto Police. That's why it's yeah. double overtime. Yeah, but remember that a lot of these events, like my brother's an ex-cop. I got buddies, ex-retired cop. My buddies are still in the force. They get paid by private. A lot of their entrepreneurs, they pay to the police, right? A certain a certain amount, but they the majority is company private, uh, private the uh, private people that hire them, like you know, like funeral funerals, example funeral. My dad had a my dad passed away. We had a we paid for the officer, right? You know, sorry, sorry, go on, sorry, go on, be Phil. <laughs> Jump in. Phil. Oh no, I was just. Uh... <laughs> no, because I know oh, you love. I, uh, I know you love to rail on the police. So ask him whatever oh, you I like. Mean, oh no, I love to rail on the police, and Phil, I think you know that. I mean, uh, actually, this is a fun fact. Uh, and again, I I do love to bring up me running for for office in the last municipal election. Uh, Phil was actually at my all candidates meeting, which was their fancy way of saying calling a debate for Scarborough Southwest. <laughs> So he got to witness me uh, kind of make a a compelling case for, let's say, defunding the police in a community center. Uh, Let's say the audience is uh, not exactly, (laughs) you know, going for that sort of vibe. You're the only one that mentioned in the whole All About the Candidates. Seriously. That's right, I was. That's right. That's right. And you apologize for saying it even after, right? He said, I'm sorry for what I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had to be weird about it because uh, they needed to know that I was weird about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, we're basically, you know, we're, we're interviewing every candidate and we're just seeing who's willing to look for efficiencies and who isn't. And it seems like you are, and that's great. Um, well, put it this way, you can't, you can't keep increasing the police budget the crime is going up. What's it doesn't make sense. You no, know? that's that's the textbook uh, definition of insanity. Well, that is, yeah, that's all standard. Like this, all <clears throat> all these numbers, like announcements of more security, what two million for security, 50, 50 million officers, and all this. Even the, all some of these candidates say we're going to put more security on the GTC, the fear mongering campaign, saying don't worry, we're going to arrest you with more. Okay, I was on the I was on the GTC going down to the Cinesphere, not Cinesphere, the Ontario place on the weekend. I made a video said. I've been here 20 minutes. I'm I'm not scared. I don't see one security officer around there. I was on Victoria Park on a Saturday, Saturday morning. I didn't Phil, see one security officer. Do you wipe the seat off? Like what? Do you wipe? <laughs> do you do I wipe the seat off? Yeah. I never sit. I never sit on the oh. subway. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, Phil. interesting. Okay, all right. This is I some always, interesting. Phil, Phil laughed at me. I wear. I actually wear a glove when I got my glove. I hold a rail. Right? Phil laughed at me today. because I went over to the seat and I wiped the seat off before I sat down. Why? I'm fucking raw dogging the TTC and you guys are just like, hey, you want to hear my joke? I got it from, remember David Brenna, the famous comedian, passed away, rest in peace. He has one of his favorite jokes is he sat on the subway once, right? He's sitting on the newspaper 
guy comes up to excuse me, buddy, are you reading that? <laughs> <laughs> so that that happened to me, right? So I did. So, anyways, a couple weeks later, I did it on purpose. I sat on a sun, Toronto Sun, you know, and this guy comes up to me, goes, "Excuse me, sir, are you reading that paper?" I said, "This paper? Just a minute." So I sat. I got up. I turned the page. I sat down. I said, "Yes, I am." <laughs> <laughs> so. In terms of also looking for efficiencies everywhere, you mentioned it earlier. Rick Leary got a 21% increase during the pandemic. He makes more than double the mayor. The head of the TCHC makes more than the mayor, not quite double, but more than the mayor. I I always thought, I, I guess as a kid, I mean, I never really thought about it, but as a kid, I, um, I would have thought that the mayor makes the most money but i guess that's not no, no. true also the workers make more than the air <laughs> um no you know what we need got we need the, we need the positions up they're just what do you call it static what do you call uh status quo? yeah yeah well yeah position they've been there for a while even what's his name up uh, they'll what the other guy ceo he's retired now he was a he was a bugger he's gone he made so much money but then these positions like even like i'm going to touch on the subject you're not gonna like habitat for humanity Big organization, right? Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised how much money goes to a lot of CEOs in that in that company. They go, did they, they do good work? I got a, I got two friends that are working there, but the amount of political heap them, you know them, you know, a charity that collects money so much. They also have positions up there that shouldn't even be there. They're all like, you know, like they, I mean, they're so they're stale. Leary, what does this guy Leary do besides being the CEO? What does he do? Well, according to other candidates, he he helps. Up to a million people get to work every day and a million people get home. What, does he pay them or something or what? No, <laughs> they use the TTC. But, but I, I don't know. Cuts. I don't know what the ridership is, but I don't know that it's two million people a day. No, I don't believe that. I mean, it might be. I'd love to see I mean, some no I love to see the numbers. Well, I've been on, I was on the summit <clears> a couple times. It's packed. Between us, seven thirty and eight nine o'clock, it's just it's like a zoo, you know. But if you go early in the morning, you get out, you get you can get through pretty quickly, like I did the other day. But uh, the question is, why do they why do they cut the budget? Why do they cut roots? You know, they're okay. I just got two friends. Well, you know, Corey got on. Corey Deville. Corey Deville. <laughs> uh, is it Corey? He's in your ward, Bill. What's his name? Uh, uh Corey. Corey David. There you Corey go. Dib, he got he's on TTC. He got on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He rose. Yeah, he's on. Yeah, he's on full time. He told me the whole. He said they're hiring. They're not, they got a big stream hiring because now they're extending the line. So they're hiring more people. Or why are they cutting services? It doesn't make sense. You know why are they cutting? Why are they cutting the fares? Or why are you cutting the bus service? You know that big what's the one on was uh, King or Queen they cut? I can't remember now, but uh, it's ridiculous. The drivers are there, and they're wanting to work. So. It doesn't make sense why we cut a bus service. We cut it down to like, instead of a five minute wait, now you're waiting 15 minutes. Like some people told me, it doesn't make any sense at all. You know, you're, so you're cutting, this, you're cutting the drivers down, but you're hiring more drivers. You're extending the subway line, but you're, you're raising the fares. So something's got to give. You know what? That whole TGC has got to be restructured. You know, when they brought that guy from England in, nothing personal, that guy, I don't know what his name is, Byford, Byford, everything. Andy, Andy Byford. Byford. Yeah. Uh, what a big mistake that was. Jeez. <laughs> Gee, I got I got two guys that work in the uh, New York subway. He's over there now helping them out. They said, "Why would you guys keep him in Toronto? We didn't want him." 
<laughs> That's from them, not from me. They're telling me it's personally. They work there, you know. In terms of the Gardner Expressway, let's talk about that. Uh, Tear it down. Tear it down. That, that's hey, you didn't even got, let me finish. Got that's good. I got, Easy. I got, I, got, I got a half an hour. I got to talk fast, like the East, East, Tear, East Coast. <laughs> Tear it down. And uh, do you share the same sentiment as uh, Gil Penalosa to make a boulevard? Well, there's two, yeah. Actually, that's a really good idea. I saw his pants. There's also two options. They can either just make, like, like Gil says, or they can make it one straight highway, like grand level. When it comes to DVP, just like a grand level, like the 401, instead of having it, uh, the guard is outdated. You've seen, a, I took a video the other weekend, it's ugly it is. It's disgusting. But I, it down, I make, see underneath it all the time. I'm down there. Yeah, yeah. But I said you can make a one one highway, which, but have it, the uh, overpass with bridges going over to the other side, right? And turn the overpass into a green park. You know, the what it called? rail deck, what it called? rail decks or whatever. Like a mash Matt Love talked about, you know, make a greenery, like a walkover, you know, mm -hmm. like a park. You know, rather than just make a concrete. We've got so much concrete downtown, you know. They want plans to build the lakeshore with all these condos by Cadillac Fairview. I saw the plans, and it's just nuts. You know, if they if they get away from uh was it from the uh from the distillery they all the way down, I love what a good couple of clicks there, gonna have condos and they're gonna say affordable housing. We're gonna have affordable housing with the condos, you know, but too much concrete, you know. They're bad enough. They want to build the, uh, bring the science center down <laughs> to Ontario Place. Let's talk about that. Uh, you were at the Ontario Place this weekend. Um, there's a big push now. Doug Ford wants to bring the uh, uh, science center down, oh but we heard from a reliable source that you can move the science center down, but the building that currently houses the science center is a quote unquote heritage building, which means. It is. It's not going anywhere. No, the so, all But the whole point in the beginning, as far as I'm concerned, correct me if I'm wrong. The whole point of moving the science center was to make way for affordable housing. But if you can't tear down the building that yeah. housed the science center, where are you building the affordable housing? Exactly. They want to put condos there. <clears throat> what do you? What do you? Uh, what do you think about the Ontario Place thing with uh, the Thermae Spa? I'd love to get your thoughts. Oh, well, you saw, I just did my video this morning. I know. Actually, yeah, Phil, but... I was going to ask, Phil, uh, you know, for our viewers who haven't, who aren't following you on Twitter and who haven't seen it, uh, why don't you talk about what your plan was? Because I, I understand you made a proposal to uh, Norm DePasquale yeah, and the I Ontario Place for All. Actually, Ontario for All inspired me last November when they started getting this whole thing going. North, especially North Scully, good guy. He should be NDP leader. I keep saying that. <laughs> but anyways, um, if they if Thurm gets into that whole area, thirty percent, they want to claim that they scored to the thing on the weekend. They said they're going to destroy that whole ecological system. You know, we had a big talk with some of the city staff. They said they've taken surveys about. You know, renovating some places will be hurt. As we talk about natural life, there's where's I did some survey with some people in the field, not my expertise, they are. They said there's rare species of plant life, animal, mammal, not just above, but sub level, right? It's an ecological system that's been there for a hundred since the Ontario place in the 70s was built. I saw it as a kid being built. You take that whole area and, and ruin it, you're going to affect not only the environment, but also us, right? It's all connected, you know, like the green thing, where it's all one ecological cycle, right? So I had an idea. 
You heard of UNESCO? There's Are five. they a clothing company? <laughs> no, that's UNICO. No, UNESCO oh. is a world. <laughs> your buddy is a World Heritage Site Foundation of protecting. Uh, you know, uh, you know, like the seven wonders of the world, natural sites, especially especially in, especially uh, rare species and native uh, plants and animals. So they go in every year. They always they always uh, uh, declare. Like even areas small in Ontario place are now UNESCO sites around the world. If you go on their website, go check it out, give you a list of all things. And it was, I put a proposal in, I put an application last November, this is before even the elections were about, as a civilian. And I put it in and I got two guys, I got three guys. One guy works in uh, Europe, one guy works in Asia and the other guy works in the States. And they're all part of UNESCO. We've been talking, we've been coordinating. So anyways, it's been put in the application, it's coming back. With approval, they said 90% approval. If that gets approved, we'll get a court order for the stop of the therm project for now, temporary. And they're going to give us a window, an opportunity to present ourselves. That's where I call upon Toronto. All your, all your experts out there, writers, uh, analysts, urbanists, you know, everybody out there, ecologists, <laughs> uh, geologists. we got to present to them that this area is worth saving because if you destroy this area, it will ruin where rare species and once that's gone it's over right and they're big on they're big on preservation of natural and rare animal especially uh uh subsurface sub-level species that you don't see above ground so we get that approved we get an opportunity to do a video or it can go live and they will send their own people down just to verify because they're not going to just take my word for it they want to see actual proof and we get that done in their presentation i talked to uh norman i told olivia on the weekend they love the idea they never something they never thought about so they get it approved Ontario place, can we actually declare a UNESCO heritage site? The city you already said on the weekend is, is declared a heritage site right there. So that actually helped us. Anyway, so if that's like it's approved, that could be a natural site, one of many to come, and they'll never be touched again. That would cancel out Thurm's plans. You know, if Thurm's going to challenge it, what I've heard they actually are, which they made my announcement the other day, but they can't charge it. See, I didn't apply as a civilian, I applied as an old military guy. See, in the military, we take an oath. People laugh about this, but you know, serving our country. I mean, it's not only serving the country, you're also protecting the country, the people, and the environment, which is the ecology, right? So, the people around military families around the world, they all coordinate together, believe it or not. We're all different entities, we're all different uh, branches of Air Force, Marines, and all, but when it comes to like family protecting, that comes first. So, I applied in that position, so it's actually restricted, it can't be touched because. Believe it or not, when it comes to national security or like, say, for example, the ecological system, that takes priority over anything, believe it or not. So now I'm just waiting word. I set it out there. I told, actually, Libya and Norm told me to put on my platform, which I'm going to do. And uh, and they, they inspired me. So when I heard Libya was going to run today, I said, great, another grassroots comeback, <laughs> you know? So so that's what, that's what the plan is. Just to put a stop, put a hint on the third. I, I saw the third people down there on the weekend, all of them. It won't answer any questions. They're all young guys, young guys, young women, and yeah, just look at you. <laughs> they had a question in the audience. That's another thing. The whole thing was an hour and 20 minutes. We talked, or they talked, and we listened. Supposed to be a QA period. People were getting frustrated. There were no bathroom breaks. And then they kind of break us down into like three groups. But not one of the third people would ever ask any direct questions, you know. And also I asked the city and they will not tell you how much is the city gonna make off Therm for profit? And how much is Therm gonna make off, right? And they show what the building's going to be. Their one big building's going to be higher than the uh, the sinister, I believe. You know, you know the height of the sinister. 
can you imagine that? They showed a picture. You can see it on the wet. It's eyes. It's big, right? So uh, yeah, just uh, again, nothing against the company, but they took some examples of the in uh, Bucharest. But they're gonna bring they're gonna bring palm trees from another country to Ontario. You know, Ontario is a seasonal country, right? So to keep those plants, all that greening they want to bring over, that's gonna be a twenty-four hour job. You know, and also the city admitted and they said out flat, if Thurm fails. If they fail, they have a they have a counter plan to turn that whole area into an agricultural food supply area. Can you believe that? <laughs> Why Wait, don't you that just do it? Like, yeah, that sounds like the good option. Yeah, but why, why do you wait you... for the <laughs> why wait for the spot to fail? Just do the good thing. So we're all agreed. We all our tables. We all agreed, and they all said if it's going to fail, we're going to pay for it, right? Bill, I'll give you the last question, and then we'll uh, we'll go on with the closing statement. You know, Phil, I was wondering, uh, there's too many Phil's. Uh, we're going <laughs> to, we keep dripping over ourselves. Uh, Phil, have you heard of uh, anything regarding the MLSE so-called sweetheart deal regarding the, uh, I believe it's the FIFA World Cup in 2026, Matthew? Is that right? Oh, the yes. sweetheart deal? The sweetheart, I, wondering... It's the sweetheart deal. You, for, you forgot the heart part. It's sweetheart <laughs> oh, deal, I... not sweet Hello, deal. Oh, they make the money. Uh, we, don't, I, we don't make nothing. Go ahead. Well, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, we haven't really had a chance to discuss it because it's it's new news. Yeah. And my my default thought is, yeah, it's bad. And I'm wondering if there's anything realistically we could do now to stop it, because I feel like that's already set in motion, like that deals in place. Well, we did but discuss it. last. Hand, we did discuss it last week. Remember? Yes. Yes. Uh, but on the other hand, I do wonder if if any of us are ignoring sort of the the potential. I'm not advocating for it this way, but I, I wonder if if anyone is going to advocate or see it as a ends justify the means sort of thing with uh, with tourists coming, uh, you know, due to this this deal. Well, how many games are going to play? Two games in Toronto. That's what I heard. <laughs> I guess I don't know the exact number. I thought it was something like six games. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Well, I've talked to uh, no, no. People. It, so it's it's shared between Mexico, U.S., and Canada. I think Canada is getting two games. U.S. is getting two oh games, and Mexico is getting two games. Yeah, but the people. Okay, that's they, very embarrassing. Okay, the people I talked to that that live in the I country. Could be that wrong. People, I could be wrong. Okay, this is what I heard from people that live in the country that Pete has gone to. They all say that none of them know each other. And they all say three things: we don't have control, we make no profit, we go into further debt. That's the three things they all say. We make no profit. Up. FIFA controls everything. They control the media. That's the stipulation. They control what the price they charge, who controls the media, who uh, makes a profit. Right? They dictate everything. You know. That's why I totally disagree. If you, they shouldn't have brought it here, we're just getting over the COVID. And they brought this FIFA here. Maybe later on. I mean, I'm a soccer fan, you know, big time. But still, feasible wise, we didn't need it at that time. If we couldn't, okay, if we're not going to get the Panda games, you're, why, why, why are we, why are we not bring FIFA, right? FIFA's more expensive than the Panda games if you look at it. You know? Got a good if point. I had my way, I, I, I would have, I wouldn't allow it. If I had my way, if I'm elected, I'm stopping. I don't care, whatever it takes, because it's going to bleed the city dry. People are starving out there. People are dying. Five hundred people homeless. It can't be the housing. The, the housing guy, the counselor, you know, what's his job? He's being the rich, giving them the housing, you know. 
and there's FIFA coming here. So all the poor people that are living on the streets dying of starvation go to a soccer game. Maybe they'll give them a ticket. You know, it doesn't make any sense. How can you perpetuate, you know, paying for an entity that's going to be very brief time coming here for all that money, and then all these people are still suffering? Like I said, my whole topic is about the people. People come first. Entertainment later. Because <laughs> people well, cater to the rich. It is. They are catered to the rich. You know? Well, thank you for coming on and, and getting right to the point. Um, now is your time to speak directly to our listeners and let them know why they should uh, why they should vote for a mayor de Cruz and don't forget to pitch your website in there and uh, oh, yeah. the, <laughs> the, long word. the floor is yours my friend go ahead oh my friend I love that my friend well if you vote for me I'm a grassroots candidate like a whole bunch of others you know I'm down to earth I'm honest but I'm gonna make a mistake I'm gonna let you know and I'll also answer your call like I did in the past I know with you know, I live the experience. You can't relate with people if you live poverty. I've lived that poverty. I've been on the streets before, you know, missing meals, ends meets. That's how you're able to help the other, compared to the other candidates that are running these rich, you know, platforms and all that. Mine's pretty simple. And you go to my platform, go to my website, see it's all about the people. It's all people first, right? They want to build all these housing and buildings and everything. That's great. But you know what? You forget the infrastructure of the people within. The people are suffering. You know, like the landlords, all that. You can't keep building out unless you fix within. So that's what all about, right? Fix within. And uh, cut the red tape and freeze what's going on and find out where the money's gone. Believe me, the money has been misspent so big. Shelters, women's shelters, housing. And also, shelters are not the answer to homelessness. Do like they did in some parts of Europe. Invest. They, they spent $300 million, $300 million in housing in the last 10 years. You can take that money, about one point. They have 1.3 million houses empty in Toronto right now. You could have taken that and bought some houses, as many as you can, rent these apartments with the government, like they do with some of the people with mental mental health, and fill them up. Take people off the streets. Get them off the streets, no matter what it takes. Don't wait for the red tape, you know, and just put them in there. Simple as that. People are, like in one ward, they got 52 empty houses. I asked the counselor, he didn't know. I said, you could take those, buy those up with government money or the money you have back then, if you had it, and put people in there. And put programs. Just don't leave people in places and fend for themselves. We've got to increase social programs for mental health. Autism is missing big time. Other uh, low income. ODSP is a provincial thing, but we can do something as the city for ODSP. We can find ways to help them. You know, we can't just say because it's provincial, we're going to ignore it. You know, and housing is not housing is the answer, not shelters. You know, and making a bylaw, you cannot kick anybody out of an encampment or kick them out of a shelter or a country apartment unless you have a place for them to put them. You got to put them in a place there before you kick them out. That should have been norm right there. That's my thing. <laughs> well, thank you so much oh, for... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, my website's on... Uh, it's on my, you go on Twitter, on my website there, and also on Facebook, you'll find a list of my websites. I'll send my, my, my other pause, my <clears> interview <throat> pause, you know, you go check it out there. If you have any questions, just give a call or just give a shoot, and I'll more to answer it. And I'll go back to the one day, I'll go back to the next day and give a call. I'll get all... I'll always call back. I took it from Rob four days. He always called back everybody, no matter how long it took, and he always did. And I'll do that. Rob was a people man. I wish his brother was, you know. And listen, oh, message for you, Doug Ford. Second warning: Stop interfering with election. As you think you're putting your minions on, to take over the city. Stop it. You're getting warned twice. No more warnings. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Phil. Um, I uh, we wish you nothing but luck here at the municipals, and uh, you know we are excited for the the future of this city, and hopefully it can be revived and 
and it will be great again. Not to oh, sound yeah, too, need... not to sound no, too no, Do- need... Donald Trumpish. No, no, we need to get rid of the status quo. It's not doing any good lasting years, no matter what they believe. <laughs> we need more color too. <laughs> we need guys like you and me, you, Phil, regular guys, you know, down earth people. And that was Philip De Cruz. What a fun guy. He's a, great, he's, a, he's a great guy. I just I wish he had more exposure, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That's true, which is that's obviously going to be that's going to be the fighting force for the candidates who, you know, we, we talk about the candidates who get the media attention and impressions. And for everyone else, it's really it's an uphill battle for them. It's yes. not really fair, but. But what can you do? It's it's what what can be done to even the playing field when there are just people who have the name recognition and then there are people who just simply don't. Well, whose fault and is that's it? That's not their fault. That's not I mean, I don't know. Whose fault is it? Is it the fault of the mainstream media only covering the quote unquote big names? I mean, I I don't I don't they play a big part of it. You're you're absolutely correct. They play a huge part of it, but it's it's hard to. At the same time, the people with no names also do just have to accept the fact that they will have to put in the work. I wanted to talk about. Um, you know what? We'll go to our next interview and then we'll talk about it. And welcome back. We are joined by Jeffrey Tunney. He is registered to run in the 2023 by-election for the mayor of Toronto. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Thank you. Nice to be here. So right off the bat, we just want to ask you um, what you have fleshed out in terms of uh, plans uh, uh, to address the issues that we're facing in Toronto, any policies that you might have fleshed out. So my friend, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Well, basically, my plan for right now, my number one priority is to end the violence in Toronto, or at least greatly reduce it. It's gotten to the extreme. Um, I don't really need to investigate or I don't need to do all these other programs because I've already done enough research and I've already done enough to know what basically is the causes. So now we can just go right into action and get, you know, start telling people, well, this is what needs to be done. So if I become mayor, that's one of the first things that I want to get um, under control is the violence, because if we don't, more and more people are not going to be taking the TTC. And if that happens, we got more of a problem because less people taking TTC means less people making money in businesses. So that's the number one priority is to increase business and to make sure that, you know, people are happy and people are safe here in the city. Okay. And in terms of ending the violence, what kind of uh, ideas or plans do you have? Does this involve increasing the police budget or is there some no. other measure yeah the uh I'm, I'm dead against increasing the uh the police the police budget because every time we increase the police budget what always seems to happen is we get this huge promise we give them the extra money and then a couple of days later we're back at square one all over again so what my plan is is basically to reach out to health care workers reach out to uh facilities and you know a lot of our violence and a lot of our uh, stuff that's happening is because of the drug intakes that a lot of people do. 
So what we need to do is we need to inform them that, you know, when you're going off your trip or you're on your trip, you know, it's the drug speaking because often it makes people angry. It makes them become violent. And that's actually one of the reasons why our crimes are so high is because it's often drug related or addiction related. So that's pretty much, you know, taking action by informing people and, you know, letting them know that, you know, we've got to have responsibility for our own actions. Yeah, I'm just wondering if, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, affordable housing is probably on top of most mayoral candidates' minds, but I wonder if uh, you have any thought in connecting that to our current uh, violent crisis. I want to get homes, and that is for sure. I've already started speaking with construction workers, but the thing about it is I want to make sure that when we, like like I said with this one construction company, I want to make sure sure that we get homes built we get them home we get, people need homes now they don't need homes five or ten years down the road they need homes now so my priority is to make sure that we get the right construction companies which i've already made a few connections with a few companies to say look you know i, I like how you guys work you guys are fast you are effective and that's what we need we don't need you know the city telling us oh they're going to build homes and then when it comes to these construction contracts that they get it takes years for them to you know get it together and start building and taking their time and that's one thing i want to avoid i want to get the housing done so the moment that i become mayor i mean we're already making the phone calls go to work so that's basically it yeah you mean like um like i've i've i i've seen this pitched before but it's never been done that i know of um where it'd be like a construction site would be running 24/7 and get like a special um uh exclusion from noise bylaws no 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 what i mean by we get the work done i mean if they can do it during regular hours but what i mean by it often is prolonged is because you know they don't have a program in place like there's one construction company i know of they like to do they like to maintain that they get two floors built in one week and where all these other people, when they get their city contracts, it could take five weeks to whatever time. They just feel like building up one floor. Whereas with me, I want to make sure that we get an effective, great management team that will they'll get right to work because we need housing now. And all these plans of waiting five to 10 years, I mean, people need housing now. Absolutely. And um, what's your position on the, the Gardner Expressway? Tear it down, rebuild it, some sort of hybrid? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, the Gardner Expressway is its part of Toronto. It's how people get in and out of the city. I do agree that we do need to, you know, get at least repaired, um, you know, and maybe if we can figure out a way how to, you know, figure out what's causing these traffic jams so that, you know, people can take other routes. But I don't agree with, I, I really don't agree with, a lot of the things that they're dealing with, because a lot of it is all about costing taxpayers money. And right now, with us still trying to get out of a pandemic and that, we really just don't have the money to be spending. But I do want the Gardner Expressway safe. So yes, I will make sure then focus on making sure the Gardner, you know, is up to par, it's up to great. But I mean, I really don't want, you know, tearing all this stuff down and just, you know, gobbling up more money of taxpayers. They don't need it right now. We've got other things that we should be focusing on and, and that, and that's how I feel there. Did you have something, Philip? I actually, yes, actually, <laughs> I, I feel like that actually uh, dovetails nicely into uh, a talk about 
city revenues and, and costs and all that because the city is in sort of a, a bind at the moment. So, of course, when we talk about the problems that are currently facing the city, that we can't separate that from the idea of we have to figure out how we're going to pay for things. And I, I think to a lot of people, a lot of people think the idea, and I, I think I'm going to connect this to a larger thought, but very specifically to the gardener itself, I'm not sure due to the, the financial mismanagement that the city has suffered, that it's even a financial viability at this point. Um, I don't know if you uh, if you see it that way or not, but that's just the way I see it. But also, I guess I'm more curious um, what your thoughts are are to bring in more revenue to the city. One thing I want to do is I want to attract more tourism. Um, Toronto is a great city. We've got a lot to offer and we could reach full potential. Um, but, you know, as long as we got you know, reports of high crimes going on or people being set on fire in TTC. That's not going to help bring in tourism. So once again, we've got to end that. But at the same time, I would really like to, you know, get together with some of the entertainment districts and actually start, you know, bringing in, finding out why are you guys not, you know, making as much maximum revenue? Because the first thing I'd like to do, that's one of my ultimate goals as well is to improve the tourist industry i want to bring more people into the city again the more people that come into the city the more revenue we have to spend so you'd be in you're in favor of um there's a it was in the news um where the city's going to be on the hook for fifa uh you mean events like that fifa well i meaning i don't know what events because you know i I meaning whatever like i'm not saying i'll be you know supportive of everything but as long as it you know as long as it's a popular thing as long as it's good it doesn't cause anybody harm yeah let's bring it in like let's bring the crowds in because the more we get into the city the more we're going to have profits going up and right now the city needs as much money as they can get right now because we're still in a very tight financial situation you know, it, it kind of brings me back to, you know, the Gardner Expressway because, you know, people are saying, oh, we're going to change it. Well, where are you going to get the money from? And, and, you know, it's the same thing with the tourist industry is we've got the only way we're going to be able to get the money is we've got to improve on the tourist industry. We've got to improve on ways that will help improve. And, you know, so such as FIFA, if it doesn't cause any harm and, you know, it brings in the crowds, why not bring it in? Well, I know from the last election that John Tory had, had two billion dollars in the in the municipal uh, coffers or vault or whatever word you want to use uh earmarked for the gardner expressway um rebuild and um i mean they voted on it so i guess it's gonna happen but uh it would be great if we could take that money and apply it to other things the other thing i wanted to talk to you about real quick is you know we are in a financial strength and um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that the head of the TTC, the C the TTC CEO, Rick Leary is making more than double the mayor's salary. And he got a 21% increase during the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And in terms of like cutting costs, I mean, if you've looked, if you've looked at the, the Ontario Sunshine List just released uh, for the for for last year. 
we have regular uniformed police officers in the two hundred and three hundred thousand dollar range because they're taking advantage of the double overtime, the 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 triple over, whatever it is. I don't know how it works, but they're making a lot more than they should be making. Um, and no, I'll be quiet. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I agree with you. I agree with you, but you have to keep it in mind that it's just not the police. It's just not the TTC. I just got a report about a couple of weeks ago, Toronto Community Housing, where they're so tight on the people that live there. You've got a guy, apparently, that's one of the head office guys, and he's making 325000 a year, which is like almost, well, it's more than what the mayor makes a year in the first place. And I mean, all he's doing is running for community housing. So, and half the time, these places aren't even up to date or up to par. They've got excuses as to why they can't repair things. So I agree with you. There has to be, the, the reason why I think a lot of our city budget is causing us so much stress is because you're right. There's too much taking going on and there's not going back to what's supposed to be needed. And so that is one of the things that, oh yes, that, I think that's the reason why I haven't really been getting much attention with the councils whenever because Basically, they already know my campaign thing is the gravy tra train ride. It's going to be over if I become mayor because I've never had been exposed to it. And I don't accept things like that. So that's my quick intake on, on that. I think it's just um, and this isn't anything against you specifically, Jeffrey. I think it's just uh, I think a lot of people are talking that same sort of like um you know, they want to they want to look at the city budget and they want to cut out, cut out the so-called fat. And I think there are a few people who are talking about, like I see on your website, you know, a promise to not increase property taxes. I'm I'm just wondering, um, I it's not really. Do I have a plan to not increase property taxes? Is that what you're saying? I've got a plan in place where I don't think we'll have to increase property taxes. I think it's more that I'm not sure you're going to find too much fat to trim. To be perfectly honest, um, it just it feels like we've done a lot of not, I don't know. It feels like we've done a lot of not spending on things that we need to spend on, like a lot of austerity budgets. But then the city has just been so poorly managed. Um, I just... I, I guess I'm just curious where you think you're going to find some uh, some waste in the budget. Where the money is being wasted. And the only way I'm going to get to that is I'm going, as soon as I become mayor, I am taking this entire budget. I am going to a very small town where they only get 45, uh, I think it's $45 million for like an entire 50 or 60 towns to live off of. And we're going to sit down with them and we're going to say, okay, how do you guys do it and we're going to and I'm going to have someone that knows about the budgets and he's he's going to he, he's someone I can trust I I'm confident in him and we are going to go through this entire budget and we're going to figure out where we can you know like you said I think a lot of them I think that there's plenty of money out there I mean the city apparently gets four billion a year but the problem is we do a lot of this wasting and instead of wasting it put it to the good causes that are needed so that's how I, that's my view on it. And um, what, what do you think about, um, I mean, it's not really a municipal issue, but I have to ask uh, what your opinion is on what's happening with Ontario Place. 
that is one thing I don't I don't understand. For starters, we have got more things to worry about than for a place that's been closed for 10 years. Now, I've already said my uh, thing out to the city and I know it was pretty much rejected, but I still think, you know, there's two options. One, we give it back to the wildlife because they need a place to go and it's right by the wa water. Or two, instead of moving the science center and waste like a, another example of how we're wasting our money. I just thought, why not build the residence right there? Start building right on the spot. This way, for people that have worked all their lives and have got a small pension, they can actually live their lives, you know, living near the water. Or, you know, people that are like, you know, dying of diseases or stuff like that they can live in peace by the water like give it give, give something like that back i mean we're so focused on business 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 in that, that area and yet this is the reason why we got a shortage housing in the first place because we're so focused on let's move the science center over and even if we do move the science center how long is that going to take and how are the local people who have been you know relying on the science center and all those people and the tourists in that area how are how are the businesses supposed to survive now that that's gone like there's no plan for i just I find it so complicating as to why you don't think about those people and the other people they're going to lose from this deal. And that's one thing I want to say. We're already, we've already had enough struggles. We don't need any more. So like I said, I'd, I'd rather us with the Ontario place, if we're going to do something with it, why not open it up so that, you know, we can bring in a park, we can bring in so that it does bring in, you know, some type of an attraction, but at the same time, we're short on housing, build it right there. And um, would you commit to not using the strong mayor powers or not? Uh, you're asking me a question that I don't know uh, too much about because, I mean, if everything's all right and everything's okay, but if I end up getting in a conflict with, uh, you know, another counselor who wants to scheme and I don't want him to scheme, then I just might have to say, I, I want my full power because you're not, because one thing I want to end is I want to end the scheming. I want to cut the kitbacks. And the only time that I will ask for the powers, if I see cutbacks or if I hear of anything and I want it stopped, that's the only time that I pretty much will do it when I, if I have to, other than that, I, you know, I, I will pretty much be, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? I'll pretty much be content with what I have. I think I can work with the city with what I have. But like I said, if push comes to shove and, you know, I see cutbacks or I see wrong going on, then yes, I will want my full power so I can stop that. You know, like I, I do feel like <laughs> there is sort of this, uh, this back and forth with some people talking about the Ontario place thing kind of being this silly conversation when we have a lot of these like bigger things going on. But I mean, I, I guess it also plays into the fact that there's a lot of Ontario provincial money going into that, the the $650 million for this subsidizing the parking lot. That again, um, the province I believe is only giving the city 200 million to help in recovering for COVID. It seems like the, the province would be better served helping the city out with that money instead of going to the parking lot, which is why I, and obviously the environmental concerns with building this, uh, this expanded parking lot. The other, the um, other thing. Okay. The other thing that I want to oh. point out, you named it, you nailed it right. Good. They're saying there's six. How much of that is actually going to Doug Ford and his thugs? 
How much of it is going to be getting kickbacks than actually, you know, than actually going to the actual project? And that's where I'm like, uh-huh. I mean, I'm tired of the kickbacks. I'm tired. That's why we're having such a, you know, a huge financial time. Because like I said, there's all these kickbacks. And you can't tell me that someone of Doug Ford's or his thugs are not going to benefit from this. Anyway, you can carry on. Sorry to interrupt you there, but I just wanted I mean, to bring the that end up. Of my, the end of my thought is, you know, I, I think there are some people who are trying to trying to minimize the issue of Ontario placing this election. And I just think it is it is actually an important thing for us, even if we're not specifically talking about if it's in the best interest of the of the city or the province. Um, but I, I think it's always important that we're we're thinking about this stuff, like the fact that you know, the province isn't supporting the city with all that much money, but will support this parking lot. I think it's three times as much what they're what they're given for the COVID um, supports for the city. And then, um, yeah, that, that it's not really a question. It's more like a, a, a running thought of, I, I think Ontario, the Ontario Place discussion is important, even though there are like big issues going on in the city otherwise. I agree with you. I mean, there, you know, Ontario Place. It's it's part of our, it's part of our inheritance. It's part of you know that was what made Toronto. Um, I really, I really don't really want it to be tearing down completely or destroyed completely because I still think it's you know a heritage site. I mean, it's what it's what helped make Toronto. It was one time the most popular place for people to come to, but I just I really think that we should focus on the issues of the problems with Toronto. I mean, but like you said, I mean, the Ontario place, they're talking about all this huge money and all this big, huge spending. And it's like, yeah, the money could go elsewhere right now. We we, we need money to go elsewhere. Like, I, I just find some of our priorities are, are a little bit backwards right now when it comes to things. So, yeah. I think you're preaching to the choir there. Um, I think I had one other question I wanted to ask you, but... It escapes me right now. Oh, um, it it. I mean, it's a municipal issue. It's it's depending on who you ask. It's a ma major, minor issue. But your position, for the record, on bike lanes. I'd love to hear anything you want to say about bike lanes. Okay, I I'm for bike lanes because it does. I mean, technically, cars were a weapon, so it's nice to know that they're safe. However, there's some areas in the city where they completely create blind spots so cars can't see them. So I'd like to figure out how we can improve that area so that they're not so much blind spots for cars. But I am in support of bike lanes because, you know, I, I actually drive my bike around the city a lot anyway. So I am, you know, in support of them. Um, but I'm also wanting to go... I. I guess you could say I'm in the middle. I also want bicyclists to start following the rules, meaning, you know, there's sometimes I'm on there and I see a bicycle, a cyclist going the wrong, like driving literally on the road, going the wrong way. And I want to make sure that there's tougher laws because that's how people get hurt. But I am in favor of making sure that, you know, people that do travel that are not exposed to, uh, that they're not being exposed to dangerous situations with cars. So I am for the bike lanes. I, I think that it's a good idea to keep cyclists safe. Um, you know, there's certain areas that, 
you know, it sometimes can cause a traffic jam or there's some places that, you know, they would like to have a two lane car because it, it's what, you know, holds people up. But, um, you know, that has to be looked at. But I am in favor of the environment. So, I mean, traveling on bike, traveling on scooters, traveling on e-bikes and that kind of stuff, you're bringing the CO Titian mission down each time you use them. So that's the way I feel. Bill, do you want to take the last question and then uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll move to the closing statement? Um, no, I feel like that's a pretty good. Um, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. That's a pretty. Um, I would say that's a pretty good middle ground position. It's, I feel like a big problem earlier today in the show. Uh, actually, Matt was talking about a situation that he was in with someone who was uh, biking, kind of going in the wrong way. Um, on the sidewalk while there was, you know, cycling infrastructure. And this isn't so much a question. I'm very sorry, Jeffrey. I'm just sort of like in a rambly, you mean, talky bit tonight. You mean last week's show? Right, right. Yes. And um, yes, yes. And, um, you know, I think a big part of what needs to happen is a, a culture change. And that's, both with people who who drive cars and people who drive bikes uh where it's just sort of i think over time uh you know the infrastructure gets in place more people are are cycling i i sort of feel like we'll align ourselves i i want to say to be more more like the european countries where cycling infrastructure is more standard uh so i feel like more I guess I, I was going to say Amsterdam, but not even Amsterdam. Let's even just say France. Uh, you know, France has started installing a lot more cycling infrastructure. And I, I think the culture, it just sort of, it catches up. I think if it's sort of a, if you build it, they will come. Again, not really a question, more of a, just some thoughts on cycling. <laughs> but uh, cool. Jeffrey, we, thank you so much for coming on. And now I'm going to give you the opportunity to speak directly to our listeners. And this is your chance to tell them why they should vote for a Mayor Tunney. And, you know, don't forget to uh, pitch your website. And the floor is yours, my friend. Go ahead. All right. Well, for starters, I find that so far when we've always had new politicians coming in or even these parties, I mean, especially all the government parties, this is why I'm kind of proud to be without a party, because it's the same old, same old. Right now, the trust of the governments and the parties and everything, it's like a trust of a glass. It's just smashed there. It's just broken because they violated everybody's trust. They've And at least you will not get that with me. I am pretty direct up front and I'm pretty honest. And I pretty much tell people as it is. You may not want like what I have to say or what you might like to hear, but at least I'd rather give you the reality than to be giving you a fantasy or an illusion, which I think a lot of them is what they do. Um, another important fact that I want to make clear is that, you know, I'm pretty much a down to earth person. I mean, what's paying for my candidacy is me basically running my business and whatever profits I've been making for my business is what has been helping uh, with my campaign. That's how I've been, you know, pretty much financially supporting this. So I'm not being I'm not the type of guy that's, you know, getting all this luxury money from government parties that are able to just, you know, waste money away. And with me having the lifestyle of not being able to throw money away, that's one thing that I won't be in support of. And that's one thing I won't be able to understand once I become mayor. And I think I'll, and my biggest fear with a lot of these candidates, because, you know, most of them that are getting the media attention 
Um, they've had their chance in office and, you know, they've made things worse or, you know, like I'm eating, you know, not to mention names, but when they were in office, I'm eating or they had their government position. I mean, they made crimes go worse. It's gotten worse. They've, you know, took a lot of funding from people or a lot of from the taxpayers anyway. And not much came out of it. Whereas with me, I want to make sure that the buck stretches and I want to make sure that we we, we do good for the city. And uh, so that's basically my view. Now, as for my website, you can visit me at www.jeffreytunny4mayor.ca. And Jeffrey is spelled J-E-F-F-E-R-Y. And then, of course, the number four, which is four. So then mayor.ca. Uh, so it's Jeffrey Tunney for mayor.ca. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, uh, I'd be a little afraid for some of them that are coming into power because the last thing we need is another politician or another mayor or another person that doesn't care about the corruption and just, you know, wants to, you know, uh, put it all aside because I find that a lot of our crimes, a lot of what's happening is they're trying to sweep it under the rug and it's not going to go away. And as long as we keep ignoring it, as long as we push it off, as, except for getting rolling up our sleeves and getting our hands dirty, if, you know, let's figure this out, it's going to get worse. Where at least I'm the one, or at least I am the type of guy that, hey, let's get the roll up the sleeves and let's figure out how we're going to get to the crack of this. And if something fails, let's try something else and try again and try again until we get to the bottom of all this. And that's basically why I think I'm probably the best one for candidate for mayor. Well, thank you I, so, thank you so much for coming on and for, uh, uh, you know, telling us about your 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 plan and your your campaign and we look forward to i mean we're excited about this election and we wish we wish you nothing but luck in this campaign and you know one thing one thing is true that we all should be excited for the future of the city of toronto yes well thank you for having me um it's been a real treat uh, you guys should be on the mainstream media. You're giving everybody a chance, and that I really greatly respect. I really do. So thumbs up to you guys. But it was great chatting with you. Thank you so much. Have a great Thank day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. And that was Jeffrey Tunney. Uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, it's the same as our, our buddy Philip. It's going to not be enough media exposure. I think that's that's the problem that, you know, 75% of the candidates are going to are going to face I think probably a higher percentage than that cuz it's again really? Uh, it's really going to be down to I mean I I think you had even said like it's going to be say four kind of top four candidates and I I think they'll make the news they'll get the debates uh except for of course alternative media like uh yours truly um I'm talking I've referred to us but it sounds like I'm just talking about you. <laughs> um, well, we know that not all 50, sorry, 49 now, 49 candidates are going to make the debate, but I'm going to reach out to every single one of them. Right. And I guess for, for them, their best, uh, the best thing they can do beyond just like can campaigning, which of course they should just be out campaigning constantly. Uh, Cause you know, you're not going to get the, the media coverage so you have to it really sucks to say that they have to put in extra work but you do they you, do. you have a disadvantage and you gotta you gotta work to overcome that 
Absolutely. And to close out tonight's show, I wanted to talk to you about Chloe Brown's initiative. She just released it. I think it was today. She released this. uh, It's a press release. I'm going to read it. It's fucking small. Hold on. I got to. There we go. Now I can fucking see it. All right. The Chloe Brown for Mayor campaign announced today the launch of a mutual aid initiative as part of its campaign to support Toronto residents in need. The initiative will focus on addressing the city's growing food insecurity epidemic by requesting faith-based organizations across the city to add accessible community fridges on their grounds. According to recent data, 13% of the city lives below the poverty line. It's probably higher. With over a quarter million residents in a legislated poverty, in legislated poverty on the Ontario Disability Support Program and Ontario Works. The situation has become so dire that over half the unhoused population in the city is disabled. I don't, okay. Um, with in, I'm, I'm trying so hard not to comment while I'm reading, but um, <laughs> with inflation still at 3.3%, families can no longer afford to buy food. Visits to food banks have quintupled as the per daily, as per the daily bread food bank and food banks are buckling under pressure. Quote, mutual aid is the solution, said mayoral candidate Chloe Brown. Quote, we need to get back to the uh, uh, get back to the community. When people have needed food historically, they depend on each other and those of faith. End quote. I want to apologize just before I finish this, because if anyone's listening to me read this, they must think that I have a learning disability. Not making fun of anyone oh who does, but like, I'm sorry, it's just been a rough day for me. So I'm, but I'll, I'll power through it. Uh, the program will have three parts. Faith-based organizations will add accessible, accessible community fridges on their grounds. Local communities will support these refrigerators and these individuals and families through mutual aid as well as online. The campaign aims to establish 25 new fridges by election day. We're thrilled to be partnering with the campaign to reach more people in need and an expanded donor base, said Jen Evans, who leads an active mutual aid platform that the campaign will be adopting. Mutual aid is a method of fundraising where funds are exchanged directly between donor and recipient. The program helps 3,000 to 5,000 people a month and also includes street outreach. Evans will be joining the campaign to head this initiative, a policy and action program, and will also be taking a role in the campaign. Uh, and where you can see Chloe next, she's going to be at the No Dem Evictions Rally on Saturday, April 29th. And Chloe Brown's Budget Day will be on Friday, May 5th, 2023. I don't know what that uh, means, but I'm excited to hear about that. It's maybe how she's going to pay for everything. Uh, and then she signs off saying, onward and upward. 
You know, I'm very excited. I'll give my thoughts and then I'll let you talk because I've hogged the microphone enough tonight. Um, I'm very excited about, about this. I'm excited that she is adopting real solutions for real problems. I, I said it last week, man. I love Chloe Brown. Um, I don't know that, I don't know who wrote this. There may be a couple of the statistics I disagree with, but but that's just that's just pansy shit. I don't care about that. Like I <laughs> as a parcel, not as a whole, I, I really really like this idea. Um and it's gonna help a lot of people. And I'd love to get your thoughts. So go ahead, Philip. Um this this honestly. The idea itself blows me away. Um, integrating mutual aid into her mayoral campaign is genius. One. Two, it's not really a part of her mayoral campaign because this is action she's doing right now. This isn't like when I get elected. This is, I'm doing this right now. This is what is in my power to do as a citizen. And and she and I also think Chloe is is finding the right people to partner with. Jennifer Evans is, uh, you know, of mutual aid people. I mean, Chloe's making some very smart moves. Absolutely, um, I'm very excited. Like, <laughs> I'm very excited uh, to see what Chloe can accomplish. You know, she was the one who stood up there, and she was. Correct me if I'm wrong. The only one that called John Tory on his bullshit and said, all you know how to do is collect dust. <laughs> that was so good. That was classic Chloe. She was the only one that really took it to John Tory, tried to hold him accountable, and it looks like that fire has not burnt out. It looks like she's taking another shot at the mayor's chair. And I'm excited. I really, I can get on board with a mayor who actually gives a fuck about this city. That's it. I'm just, I'm just excited. No, that's, that's good shit. And, you know, as people do point out that, uh, I really do hope that this media silence on her is not any indication of of where she's at because they'll they'll advertise garbage. Like, you know, as uh You think no, you, you think any gonna, of the, you think any of them are gonna be afraid to debate her? I think they should be afraid to debate her. <laughs> I think she's uh I the thing I wanna say is is I feel like she's I don't think this is a real term. I want to say whip smart in my mind where I just think she's, she's like, is there a smart where you're like good at debating, talking, you know, quickly and, and quickly come up with things. Is that whip smart? Did I make that phrase up just now? Is that a real thing? I've never Um, heard it. I don't know, but I think every single person, you know, if say, for example, you know, in our mayoral debate setup, whatever block, happens to have Chloe Brown in, 
every single other person should be thinking, oh, fuck. <laughs> that's it. That, that's what they should be thinking. Just, oh, fuck. Because they have to fight against her. Absolutely. Um, before I let you go, I, I, there's a couple of musings I'm not sure that we ever covered. Um, I want to talk about Brad Bradford for a second. Interesting. Uh, I spent zero time thinking about this man, this election. Have you seen any of his quote unquote commercials? Have I seen any of them, Matthew? Huh. Sorry. To be clear to the audience, I'm just dripping in sarcasm as I'm. Uh, well, I mean, you're Brad on Twitter. Bradford... So. Are you well, saying, yes, that is hold true. on, are you saying you don't follow him or you're blocked? No, no, Matthew, I'm just being sarcastic with you because I've ratioed this man three times during his mayoral campaign. I don't know how I keep doing it, and I don't know how he hasn't blocked me yet. But oh, is is it I just can't. me? Is it just me, or does he like to walk a lot in his commercials? He's always moving, and then at the end, he walks off. <laughs> I, you know, I... <sighs> He's he's got to be using one of those handheld like selfie camera sticks. Does right? he not Did know he? how to? Does he not know how to stand still and talk? I can only imagine. No, he, no, no. Picture with not. me. Close your. By the way, Brad come Bradford, come on our podcast. Close your eyes for a minute. <laughs> Close your eyes. I want you to picture this. Uh, unfortunately, you're gonna, gonna not. You're you're not gonna like the beginning part. You're gonna have to picture that Brad Bradford wins the election. God. <laughs> And then, and then they're they're in the council chambers, and then instead of him standing in one place and talking, he's constantly walking around the room, and he's got a he's got like he's wearing a microphone piece so that he he you, you know, know what? no you know what <laughs> pause absolutely here's the problem Matthew problem with your imaginative situation if I were mayor I would do that. I would wander around those chambers, like constantly pacing back and forth. They'd be like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I can't sit still. I would do exactly what your theoretical mayor Bradford would do. But here's the best part. It would be more funny. Here's the best (laughs) part. When he's done his point, he walks off out of the room. Oh, okay. I love that. (laughs) It would be very symbolic. Like I've done my job here and, you know, everyone being like, you didn't do anything. Didn't I? I don't know. I don't know if you've seen the monorail episode of The Simpsons with, uh, oh my God, it's so relevant to our lives right now. But at the end of the episode, uh, Leonard Nimoy shows up and he just says, uh, he says to Marge, looks like my job here is done. And Marge is like, uh, but you didn't do anything. And, he's, and Leonard Nimoy just says, didn't I? And he just disappears. <laughs> oh such great stuff. I mean, that's not the part of the monorail episode that's relevant to our lives, but it's a good bit. I also wanted to bring up, I don't know if you were aware, I saw this on Twitter, um, former candidate, former Ward 10 candidate, April Engelberg, has joined Mitzi Hunter's campaign. I did see that. Good for her. Good for her too, yes. Um, You know, I always find, I'm not taking away anything from any of the candidates throughout the city. But I have to say that the ward, being that I was there, I was there for, I, I held my debate. A lot of them showed up, a lot of them didn't, but whatever. Most of them, a lot of them showed up. And I interviewed 
a lot of the candidates of Ward 10. And I, I got to say, out of all the wards, those candidates from that ward were the most passionate. Um, they're always, uh, uh, um, they always want to help out. Oh, they that always. Was, no, that was a packed ward. Yeah. Yeah, that was Ozma. That was Igor. There was like a ton of good candidates in that world. Stephanie Solterman, who is, uh, she's helping out with Ontario. I think it's, uh, is it Ontario Place for All? I think she's, she might be working with Norm. And if not, hey, Norm, if you're listening, Stephanie Solterman, you need her on your team. Let's stop this whole Therme thing. Get her on your team. She is, and I'll say this again, because I said this in October. She is what we call in sports, I can't miss prospect. Not only would she do well as a city councillor, she has to be city councillor because she will do so well. And that doesn't take away from April or Ozma or Igor or anyone else that was in Ward 10. Rocco, another one. Um, You're right. That that ward really was full of a lot of very... It was an all-star cast. And that's appropriate. Classics, apparently April had ran before, so that's returning. Igor, brand new. Ozma from the Toronto District School Board. I think she was a trustee. Uh, Very interesting coming together. Absolutely. Uh, You know, it's just, it's so, it's like as the world turns up in this bitch. (laughs) That's how the saying goes. You're always going to get a soap opera reference with me. (laughs) <laughs> anyway um i think uh i think we nailed it i'm pretty happy what about you i'm feeling good but if you don't have anything else uh i guess we can get we can get the hell out of here now so for so oh fuck <laughs> uh so we can get the hell out of here now. So for Phil and for Sarah and for Phil and for Jack, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey almost called him Jack again. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, are you I rela- saw that coming. Jeffrey, are you related to Jack Tunney or Frank Tunney? I need to know. Um, but for all know. of you, but for all of you and, and for all our listeners, thank you guys so much. And we will see you again next week. This is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that finger at you. My answer with that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold it.